Hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I don't know why Jesse's dancing. I think it's out of habit. We've got a bit of a situation brewing here in North America. <laughs> stay positive, Tim. Yeah, stay positive. I like it. I like it. Busy night in the NHL, even without the Flames. 13 games in the NHL tonight. Sorry, what's that? So, yeah. 12 games in the NHL tonight. Right. The Canes have been added to the teams getting absolutely crushed by COVID. Uh, Leafs and Oilers still on the marquee tonight. McDavid versus Matthews. Austin on fire. Oilers have lost three straight, but then there's Ryan McLeod. Uh, the Canucks trying to go. I'm staying positive. 5-0 and under Bruce Boudreaux. Jesse Rubinoff. They also got a, a couple cases right now. That yeah. game's still going on, right? I know you're dancing, and I don't want to distract you from whatever that oh, is um, or something close to dancing. That game's on for now. It is on for now. For now. Okay. Yeah. In the NBA, Steph looking to become, listen, this is one of the NBA's great records, and he could break the all-time three-point mark at the Mecca tonight. Just down the road, the Raptors in action in Brooklyn coming off an impressive beatdown of the Kings the Nets have some COVID concerns of their own. There's also rumors Kyrie return. No, you don't like that one? How about a Kyrie trade? Mm. Looming in New York. Juicy. Kristaps Porzingis tied to the... We'll get to all that. The only thing that seems to be looming larger in New York, beyond New York, North America, <laughs> is, of course, COVID-2 electric boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> dealing with this is is worse than the job Urban Meyer is doing in Jacksonville. Ooh, it's, that's it's, bad. It's worse than Andrea Bargnani's defense. Really bad. It's worse than taking a punch from Tony Twist back in the day. Yeah, it's probably the worst. The sports world isn't sunshine and lollipops, or at least it isn't always sunshine and lollipops, no matter how much I love lollipops. So <laughs> here's the latest need-to-know news about what's going on with my friend. Jesse Rubinoff. Uh, Tim, you mentioned we're down to 12 games in the National Hockey League tonight. Canes Wild has been postponed after four Carolina players entered COVID protocol today, bringing their total to six players and one member of the training staff. The Canes just finished a trip through Western Canada with stops in Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, yeah. and Vancouver. The Canucks canceled morning skate after two players tested positive, but as of right now, tonight's game against the Blue Jackets is still on, like we mentioned. Same for the Leafs and Oilers, but Edmonton did place forward Ryan McLeod in COVID protocol today. The Flames, of course, already had their games postponed, through Thursday, today, Noah Hannafin, Milan Lucic, and Sean Monaghan. I have to take a breath because yeah. it's like keeps I know, going. Rifling through uh, stuff entered here. COVID protocol, bringing Calgary's totals to nine players and one member of the training staff. In all, 14 NHL players entered protocol today, including the Bruins' Brad Marchand. Boston also just finished. I'm going to get comfortable here. A trip through Western Canada in the NBA. The Nets, uh, who host the Raptors tonight, ruled out four more players due to COVID protocols after Paul Millsap was ruled out yesterday. And the Lakers canceled practice after a positive test. Yesterday, it was announced that the Bulls games scheduled for tonight and Thursday in Toronto would be postponed. In the National Football League, the Rams oh got a We're big win here? on Monday Night Football despite missing five players due to COVID. Right. 
And today they shut down the facility okay. after several players who played last night reportedly tested positive. And the Cleveland Browns placed eight players in COVID protocol. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, 62 NFL players have tested positive over the past two days. Tim, the question after all of that is where is this headed? I have What are you asking me for? Like <laughs> you got the glasses on. You got the glasses on. I have Tell no us what's idea. Up. What are you asking me for? It's because I have my name on the show. I got to answer that question. You have to answer the hard questions because oh. I have no idea. Oh. So All right. one of us has to say something. Oh, before any idiot comes to some sort of conclusion <laughs> that there is nothing but hope on this side of the desk, on that side of everyone on that works on this show. Wishes for absolutely nothing but the best. Speedy recoveries for everyone. Um, but I also get that there's a lot of people who are fatigued. Not only because their sports are being altered and changed, but because their lives are being altered and changed once again. And we're in this spot. It's not like it was when we first heard about this stuff. But obviously we're hitting a... I, I mean, we got calls from our school. I got friends, kids, schools being shut down, classes being sent home. Like, none of this is any fun, and we're all tired of it, and we're all in a spot where it's manifesting itself in different ways. People are frustrated. People are tired. People just want to move on, and I get it. Um, I think our job here is kind of to inform everybody about what's going on. Uh, I think best practices have to be reinstalled. Obviously, people who are vaccinated are testing positive from this. Mm -hmm. Knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood. A lot of them are asymptomatic mm -hmm. when they do test positive, but they're testing positive for it, which means that it's going to alter the way that we're watching our sports, never mind living our lives. So there's a part of this where we're still trying to figure this out. We're still wondering, like, I was watching last night, and I'm thinking in my head, like, Stafford and Cooper Cup are doing the post-game interview standing beside each other without masks on. Lisa Salters is there without her mask on. And, like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. They played the entire game in each other's face in the huddle. I get it. I understand yeah. it. But now we got to get back to mitigating all of these circumstances as much as you possibly can, even though we all know it's kind of sort of hypocritical, right? Like, yeah. we know that they're in the huddle talking about the plays face-to-face, -face, and I think that we're going to start to see some of these COVID protocols go back in. I know, like, OBJ was saying something along the lines of, this stuff can't enter my bloodstream. He did say that. If like, he's not getting COVID, and now yes. he's got COVID? Yes. Be so, yeah, knock okay. on wood, he's yeah. okay, and he's a healthy athlete, and... If he is, in fact, vaccinated, then it seems like he's less likely to be seriously sick. Like, all these things, I don't know enough about. I've reached out to doctors in the past. I will continue to reach out to doctors to give you more information as I can. But we're sitting here today, and, man, I just I hope that we're not in a spot where we're back to empty stadiums. But I know Andrew Morris, a doctor, spoke to Michael Grange yeah. yesterday and said, like, it's only a matter of time. Basically. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the... At least in Ontario. Yeah. Because he's a doctor in Toronto. Right. You mentioned the... And uh, a Raptors fan. The possibility. And a basketball coach. <laughs> so it's Man not of like many talents. Yeah. He's not just saying this because he wants everyone to go back into lockdown. Totally. He loves the game, but he sees a future where... 
we're probably not going to be in that stadium. Yeah, you mentioned it uh, with enhanced protocols. And I think there's two things that are really on sports fans' minds. It's uh, what do the enhanced protocols mean for these teams? What does it mean for travel? Is the season going to be paused? Are any leagues going to be paused? That is the major question now that is surfacing. Right. And ESPN's Emily Kaplan has responded to some of that narrative that's being thrown around. As of now, Emily says, there have been no discussions about pausing the season in the NHL due to COVID cases. The NHL and NHLPA have a regularly scheduled call where they'll discuss if there's a need to enhance protocols. And Tim, I just want to also get to... Like, this is like a... Th- th- doesn't this seem... I mean, I was thinking back to the weekend mm-hmm. and... Dick Vitale is going through chemotherapy. And the legendary broadcaster, college basketball in the States, everyone knows him, even if you hate basketball. He's a PTP, baby! It's Dickie Vitale! He's, he works with Dan Shulman. Yeah. Is that almost as good as my Brian Williams? Yeah, that was, that, was, that was better than half decent. And so I'm seeing pictures of him in Waco, Texas, and it's a touching moment where he gets a standing ovation from the crowd at Baylor because he's working the game and he's brought to tears and it's a wonderful moment and I'm think, just thinking like there is not a mask to be found anywhere there and he obviously has he, he's a man of substance in the United States he's got some wealth he's got probably some really good doctors mm-hmm. working on him and they let him go to this game like I just the contrast of you know, panic on one side, and then Dickie V going to a basketball game. Nobody's got masks on. It can be confusing. It can be overwhelming. And to me, it feels like we're headed back to a point where we might start seeing all these COVID protocols put back into place while we figure out how bad it is to get COVID now if you're vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Yeah. Just the learning process continues. A, a great and that's point. a common sense thing, right? Yeah. It's a great point. That's what Emily Kaplan <laughs> said about the NHL. Aubrey Breer, similar things saying about the NFL. Uh, the league had a labor seminar today telling teams that they should all be on high alert in enforcing protocols. The idea of all 32 teams going into enhanced protocols soon is not out of the question. The league very much has its guard up now, but um, they are planning on finishing the season similar to what Emily said about the National Hockey League. And let me just apologize to everyone who's in a pool that's going into the playoffs right now because there's about to be havoc on your fantasy football pools right now. Uh, One of the other questions that we had yesterday was about Olympic participation with the NHL players and the report over the weekend that if you showed up positive in Beijing at the Olympics in China that you might be held there three (laughs) to five weeks which had a lot of NHL fans, players, uh, staff wondering what the hell are we talking about here if you test positive. And I heard that Connor McDavid was asked today. Connor McDavid responded. And uh, I think, honestly, his response is similar. It's very natural reaction and what most people would think. So why don't we have a listen and then discuss it? It's obviously going to be a very fluid situation. And... Uh, and we need to uh, to continue to gather all the information that uh, that there is. I think um, you know there's there, there hasn't been a ton of information come out, and all of a sudden there's you know that three to five week thing that you know it's uh, it's kind of been floating around. So just trying to gather all the uh, all the facts and and uh, and inf- information, and you know 
Um, obviously, it's unsettling um, if that were to be the case when you go over there. So, um, you know, obviously, I'm still a, a guy that uh, that's wanting to go play in, in the Olympics. Um, you know, but we also want to make sure it's safe for for everybody and for all the athletes, not just for uh, not just for hockey players. Is unsettling not just the perfect word yes. in that answer? Yes. Well done, Connor McDavid. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, that, what do you do? That's a long time. It derails the season for all the best players. Well, like, just if, think, think about if you tested positive. Yeah. Like, not only are you stuck in China for three to five weeks, but your team at home, yeah. obviously, is without you for those three to five weeks, depending on when you test positive. And those are the best players in the world. Yeah. It seems like um, my understanding is that it's not until January 10th where they have to make an actual decision about this, but it could not be trending in a, in a worse direction. Yeah, and right that's, uh, that January 10th means like there's some economic penalty uh, penalties yeah. after January 10th. It could go past January 10th if they really wanted it to, uh, but the players wanted to go. The owners still say that they will facilitate that. But it'll be interesting to see. And I think, as I said yesterday, I think what you're going to get to is a bunch of Robin Leonard's where people are just saying, I don't want to go anymore. They'll drop out. And guys like Connor McDavid, who have never been there and want to go, uh, might still go. Yeah, no question about it. Um, why don't we get to uh, the rest of, of First Things First. Keep it positive because we're, we'll, we're telling the facts. We have to inform the people. But there is also hockey to be played tonight also despite facts. the cancellations. So let's get to the action on the ice. Starting with the Leafs and Oilers. Zach Hyman will not play against his former team after injuring his shoulder in Saturday's loss to Carolina. The Oilers will be looking to snap their season-high five-game losing streak while the Leafs are just 2-2-1 over their last five despite the recent struggles, Tim. You still get hyped up for a Matthews-McDavid yes, matchup. Yes, yes, without a doubt, you're getting great skill on the ice whenever you get it, whether it was Canadian Division last year or this year. And by the way, the Leafs had some success against the Oilers in the Canadian Division. I am down for this, not just Matthews and McDavid. You got Drysaddle on the ice. You got John Tavares on the ice. I mean, Matthews is making a run. Over the last little while, after a slow start, especially scoring goals, he has been on absolute fire as of late for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down for this whenever you can get it. And I watch hockey to see skill. And tonight when you turn on this game, you're going to see some of the best skill in the NHL. So first meeting of the season between the two. Leafs won 6-9 and nine last year. Three in a row at Rogers Place. One point, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what this Oilers team does because, I mean, they're seven and nine since that nine and it's one wild. start. Yeah, and uh, it looks like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl will be playing on the same line tonight in an effort to s- sort of spark Spur. the offense. A Whenever little bit. they need a little bit of a spike from the That's offense, what you do. Those two go together. But it, it, the the McDavid and Draisaitl haven't been the. They've slowed down a little bit, but they haven't been the issue. The issue has been the bottom six for this team, right? Because you, you need to have offense, not just from two players. It's always been the issue with the Edmonton Oilers, but where do they find it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I know Nazem Kadri's having himself a year yeah. right now, but, like, this isn't the only team that does that, and they do it over two lines, right? Like the production line, Boston, they have one line that's good. People chip in, yep. but it was one line that carried. Colorado, 
Same thing. That's why they had to go out and get Kadri because they only had one line that was going. Like, there are a lot of teams in this situation, and I understand why there's fear in Edmonton because when it matters most, you'd love to be able to roll four lines. But when you have a top-heavy payroll like they do, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. Like, this is the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the postseason. Like, you're going to need your best players to be your best players. Like, yes, you'd like more from the third and fourth line. Yes, you would like to see a bunch of different people on every score sheet, but the reality is in the NHL, that doesn't always happen, and you just got to figure out a way to get it done. And I'll say it now, I'll say it when the playoffs roll around. They are going to need, both of these teams are going to need their best players to be their best players, and you got to figure out a way to have an impact on the game, even if you're not scoring. That goes for everyone on the lineup. So, Give me all these stats. Shout at me what the second line isn't doing. You knew that heading into the season, did you not? Yeah, I think you look at the playoffs and you look at the success a team like Tampa has. It's it really come playoff time. The depth plays a massive over, role. And ten million over the cap. Ten million over the cap right? certainly helps in that situation. Yeah, I mean the reality is like and yeah. couldn't keep the team together. Yes, like, that doesn't happen. No, it happens once in a while. Team catches the timing at the like perfect timing, mm-hmm. which is what they did, and even more timing to have Kucherov sit out the entire year. But that doesn't happen every year. And they're defending cup champs two times over. They're not as good. Yeah. Right? Because of it. Uh, Mark Spector coming up a little bit later. We'll talk uh, all Western hockey with Speck. He's, uh, he's going to dismiss that, by he, the way. That's okay. He's going to talk about the bottom six. That's, that's good conversation. Like that. That's totally fine. <laughs> the Toronto Raptors are on a bit of a roll as they get set to take on the Nets tonight in Brooklyn. You can see it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Last night, the Raps played one of their best games of the season, beating the Kings 124-101. Toronto was now one for their last five games. Hey, don't look now. Uh, dealing with several key injuries as well. How have they done it, Timmy? Defense is the right answer. Uh, the rest of the answer is more intriguing than that. And it is balance. It is effort. It is everyone doing their part. And, I mean, just look at the, the season highs they set last night. Yeah. Uh, points and a half, 70. Assists, 28. Bench points, 53. Points in the paint, 68. They were without Precious Achua and Cam Birch. Mm-hmm. And they still had 60. This is, if I'm not mistaken, the Kings went into that game as the fourth highest scoring team in the paint. And the Raptors set a season high with 68. They had nine players in double figures. It was damning to see what they were able to do with structure, with pace, with coaching, and with effort versus a perennial dog like the Sacramento Kings. And I have been out here saying, like, careful what you wish for, right? Like, people were talking about, ah, it's time to tank, it's time to do that, time to do this. And I always said last year, you got to worry about the culture. Mm -hmm. Because if the culture leaves, you're bleeped. And there was no better example than De'Aaron Fox after the game. Like, if you, this is, he basically exemplifies what the Raptors do well in his post, pissed off about his own team. Have a listen. It's not about just, like, playing hard. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not too many people in this world that could be a lazy motherfucker and make it to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Everybody played hard to get here. Everybody plays hard when they're here. It's about, you know, just being sharp. Everything that you do. Um, obviously, you know, with that second group that they had, um, you know, Toronto, they're, 
there's no one out there that's just going to go out there and get a bucket. Um, but everything they do is quick, sharp, to the point. They know exactly what they need to do. And, and they're running to a, to a T. You know what I'm saying? It's not too many teams in this league that are running complicated stuff. Uh, it's, it's just not a thing. Most people have a coach from a similar coaching staff, and they copy whatever coach that they were under, and everybody's running the same So when we're out there, it's just about being sharp. Now, you know, if it's a loose ball, 50-50 ball like that, then, then, yeah, you know, it's about playing hard. But when you're out there and, you know, coverages, you know, your coverage ain't about playing hard. Your coverage is about being sharp. So um, when we're out there running a play, it's not about just, you know, you, obviously you want to run the play fast and get into your shit, but it's not about doing the play hard. It's about doing it sharp. So, you know, if, if the timing is off, that's not about playing hard. That's about being sharp. If if we up a coverage where you're not supposed to switch and you switch or vice versa or whatever it may be, it's not about playing hard. It's about being sharp. You're not giving up 130 because you're not playing hard. Oh, and, and with so many bleeps, it was just punctuating the point. But remember what I said at the start of the year that the Toronto Raptors could win 30 games with coaching, effort, and culture. That, that's what he's talking about right there. They're playing sharp. Yeah, they're playing sharp. <laughs> Seven they're, they're times. Playing sharp. It reminded me a lot of the Iverson practice uh, press conference. Yeah, there was, there was. And it's the personification of the Sacramento Kings yes, organization yes. as well. By the way, Raptors taking on the Nets tonight. Not mm-hmm. only are there rumors that Kyrie may be coming back, there is him tweeting out him putting on basketball shoes, shoes yeah. which was kind of sort of a troll. But then I saw this earlier today, and it made me think. Ian Bagley covers uh, the league for SNY in New York. Dallas is among teams that have reached out to Brooklyn about Kyrie Irving per SNY sources. Kristaps Porzingis came up in the discussion, unclear if talks advanced. Another stop for Kyrie Irving. This is juice. We may tackle it with the roundtable, depending on how this goes. Still to come, Mark Spector on the COVID outbreak around the NHL as we enter another busy night in the league. Blake Murphy, ahead of the Nets and Raptors, we'll ask him about Kyrie Irving. And up next, the Tuesday roundtable will assemble. That's right, the kids have been gathered. Rash Madani, Justin Dunn, Donovan Bennett to talk. Great Cup, plenty more. Tim and Friends rolls on this crazy Thursday in the Tuesday in the world of sports. I'm so it's closer. They're going to sell it right here. Cook loses his home foot and a couple of straight lights connects and hammers him down. He wants more. Halliburton drives. Scotty says no. Toronto takes down Sacramento. Outstanding effort in every aspect for the Toronto Raptors. In my opinion, the best one-on-one player in the game, perhaps ever. And Kevin Durant is one bad, bad man. Were you aware of how close you were to 50? Of course. (laughs) My fault, my fault. What was that? Can you get him another beer? I just dropped it. What'd you have? A truly? Still to come on this Tuesday edition of Tim and Friends, Mark Spector, Blake Murphy. uh, Hockey and basketball. Got it good and since you understood. Second segment on a Tuesday can mean one of two things. One, I reenact the entire repertoire of the Detroit urban survival dude. Or two, the virtual roundtable has been assembled. Thankfully for everyone involved and the safety of everyone, it is in fact the latter. Though, if you need to learn how to fish hook a dude, holler at your boy. And that's what we did for this week's virtual roundtable. We hollered at our guys. And I will say, uh, we actually almost roundtabled here 
But then the numbers went back up, and Donovan wanted to flex his home studio again, so... Here we are, kids. Uh, two in studio, one via the Zoom. I think you already know who the Zoom is. Kind of gave it away. He's already shaking the head, so I'll start there. And while all three of these dudes have been friends for a long time, and I love seeing them all shine bright these days, my first, you saw him, an OG on the show, just an OG. He was a golden griffin before he was a Mustang. He'll always be a friend. It is Donovan Bennett. What's going on, DJ? Those tanks. Those tanks. <laughs> uh, I also met my next guest while he played CIS football, I guess we can call it that. He was a Griffin and stayed a Griffin. And now he runs three down nation the same way he ran the Guelph offense, by running around like a chicken with his head cut off but somehow <laughs> making magic. It's Justin Dunk. Welcome back, Dunk. Hello, everybody. Good to be here, man. Thanks, Jimmy. And finally, an elder statesman around here with an all-around knowledge match by very few. I also met him covering Canadian college sports when I called to ask him if I could rip off his stories, the ones that he was telling about the Carlton Ravens basketball program for my broadcast purposes. He's got pride for bishops, though I'm not sure if the feeling is mutual. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a rash for Danny. Repping the champs today. Oh, Make look at this. Repping the champs today. Look at this. Shout out to the old employer. The Winnipeg <laughs> Blue Bombers uh, t-shirt underneath. Given it's the vintage. History. It's an Adidas logo. It's like three corporate <laughs> partners ago. Uh, I feel like we should talk Vanier, given the history. But I, I don't want to give Donovan any chance here yes. to gloat in any way, shape, or form. So let's go, Grey Cup, kids. Uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> was that a W that you just threw up there, Donovan? Good. Uh, a lot of great storylines around this Grey Cup. I will let all of you pick which one you want to start with. Starting at the end of the table, Arash Medani, Winnipeg Blue Bombers in what I believe to be an instant classic over the Hamilton Tiger Cats at what I will always call Iverwin. Yeah. Um, where to begin? <laughs> that the, pause the, the scares key, me. The key decision <laughs> made was at halftime by Mike O'Shea to take the wind in the fourth, fourth quarter. That Zach Caleros threw two awful interceptions and then makes up for it in the fourth quarter in overtime. And I... Like, because he's the quarterback. Like, to me, Jake Thomas was the best Canadian, and maybe the kicker was the MVP of the game for Winnipeg. But... Shout out Sergio Castillo. Sergio Castillo. Mm, solid. <laughs> uh, Zach Caleros now has the same number of rings as some of the greats in the game. He's got three now. Yeah. He's got one more than Bo, one fewer than Calvillo and Ricky Ray. Um, he's he's right up there with with the greats of the game, and uh, that's that's how we kind of measure greatness. And no matter how a game goes, um, Zach's now among the best to ever do it. Dunk. So is his team, though. Like I don't, I don't know if they can keep this together. In fact. Rash was reporting they might not even be able to keep their head coach. But, <laughs> but that. Such, is, such is the CFL, and when you get time to negotiate, it's time to negotiate. But this team... Or make a power play. Back to, control. Yeah, yeah. back to back is... Um, I mean, they went wire to wire here. This is as good a team as we have seen in the CFL, is it not? It has been in recent years. Yeah. I think you can keep these guys together, though. The salary cap was down this year. Michael back up a little bit, or at least to what it was. 
before the pandemic hit. So I think they can keep this team together. The key to me, as long as Mike O'Shea is there and Zach Caleros and Willie Jefferson and Adam Bighill, who are guys I think they can keep, then you got a squad. Donovan. I want the phone number to Justin Dunk's accountant because I don't know how you're doing these numbers. <laughs> you said as long as they keep, and then you listed four guys that all deserve more money. They were lucky to keep this group together last offseason. They had to have some hard conversations. So, you know, Jeffcoat, Jefferson, Big Hill, uh, you mentioned Osei, Caleros. Uh, and you have a running back who is in his 30s, and you don't generally pay them. And that's not even the thing I wanted to talk about. So uh, thank you for getting me off topic, Dunk. I'll, I'll say this. This is my thing. If you want to win, go get yourself a Canadian. Canadian GM. Uh, Canadian coach. Uh, Canadian running back. Tailback. You know, Canadian Tailbacks. skills all over the place. Yeah. And so football is so copycat. At the best of times, I would love for people to figure out, okay, how did the Bombers do this? They had the best Canadians, both in the front office and on the field. That's the formula. So much in this sport has changed. Uh, remember when you had to take care of the football to win? Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. But it's still, in this game, if you have the best Canadians, you give yourself a shot. And that's what Winnipeg did. All right, speaking of Canadian, uh, the Neil, very Canadian, to give up the one point, Tim White, uh, down two makes it a three-point game. Dunk, do you agree with the Neil from White, or is this cut and dry? How long is this conversation? Orlando Steinauer said that he gave White the decision, and I think that's where the error was. If I'm Steinauer, I'm saying to White, look, you're bringing the ball out no matter what. A point is not worth 15 yards, and you can literally see on your screen right now, there's no bombers there coming down the field. Like, he could easily, in my mind, with his sprinter speed, get to the 20 or 25-yard line, bring the ball out, you go down the field and kick the winning field goal. So that, to me, is where that decision went wrong, is letting a rookie make that call in the biggest moment of your season. I, yeah. love, I love how the Hamilton fans, by the way, knew immediately. Right like, the away. knowledge of the fans in Hamilton are just, what the hell what happened the hell here? What going on? <laughs> yeah. And what ends up happening, the opening kickoff or the first series, whatever that was, when Poppy went down, their main returner, suddenly things get shuffled around and responsibilities get shuffled around. I actually fault coaching here. Mm -hmm. You go over to your guy and remind him of what the scenario is going on. What does Belichick always talk about? Situational football. Situational football failed there for the Tiger Cats. And I thought the Bombers failed in their offensive play calling in the third quarter with situational yeah, football. Yeah, me too, yeah. With the win, there was a lot of that going on, is understanding the conditions and modified to the conditions. I thought both teams really struggled there in the second half, but especially with Hamilton and those and then the kicking game. Donovan the Neal. Well, I think it was the wrong decision, full stop, right? I, I value points. I hate when people uh, you know, cavalierly take a knee, give two points, in this case, and see if I'll give away one point, because those points add up and they matter. However, Jeff Reinbold, one of the best special teams coaches in the league i can't for the life of me think that white did that on his own i think the context matters i think they said listen we're going to go down and score and so that point might not matter those yards are going to help us and they could have scored on that drive if they executed uh better i think the context of listen if you have to go backwards to get this take a knee but if you're standing basically beside the goalpost, bring it out i think they planned 
on taking it out, but I think the context wasn't right. there, and that's where the mistake was. All right, so one more thing that I want to get to, and we're, we're quickly running out of time in the first segment of the virtual roundtable that isn't so virtual this time around. It's just Donovan. <laughs> is that I keep hearing that the league is looking into four-down football, and whether that's to attract more NFL investment, whether it's to get better players to the league, whatever it is, whether it's to attract more viewers, younger viewers, they think that this could be a way to do it. Madani, what's the CFL if it's a four-down league? It's not the CFL anymore, uh, that's for sure. I think it's a couple of things. One, from a gambling standpoint, I think they may think that's going to bring some more revenue. But truthfully, the timing of that news being leaked I thought was really curious. It came moments after Randy Ambrosi fell on his face during the State of the League address, where he made a complete fool of himself. And everybody was saying, what's going on? Randy said, well, we fixed the business model. He said that twice. And then when asked about it, he said, I didn't say that. So I think they're trying to say, hey, over here, let's talk about this so we're not talking about but that. You, you real, Listen, you realize, and I heard you go in on Randy Ambrosio on that, on Randy Ambrosio on that day. Not you Ambrosio. Re- no, that's a no, different that's guy. A different guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's our dude. Uh, he realized that he can't talk about gambling because it's not legal yet, and that's basically what he was talking about, right? No. It's, it's legal. It's passed. No, but no Just one's talking about. No jurisdictionally. One's, right. No one's talking about their partners. No one's talking about how they've done this, where they've done it. They can't. But they do have a partnership with Bet Regal. No, I so know, but it, that, that could change, and obviously that deal with the tech company, Genius Sports, was about gambling just as much as it was about improving their website, which is awful. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, they cannot go to four downs, okay. because it's not the Canadian Football League anymore, it's not Canadian football anymore, then what? Are you going to change the fields? What about your feeder system? That's the only way it makes sense is if they are just that for the NFL. And that's been talked about behind the scenes. I think I said it one of the last times I was on the show. That's the only way it makes sense, because then you get the financial backing from the NFL. But from a peewee football, from a junior football, Everything from a high school football, university football, you, Everything can't, changes. you can't change the fields. You can. Why not? NFL money could. You're going to go into every little. You're going to go into Toronto, Nova Scotia, and change all those fields there because the NFL is giving the CFL hey, some money. I, I chalked the lines at Senator O'Connor. All right, I can chalk the go. lines in Toronto, Nova Scotia. <laughs> if you want, Donovan, let's wait. go watch that happen. Because let's it go feel, do it again for old times' sake. It feels like to me that we might get to. And I said this before the season started when I went on this XFL CFL rant on the show. It feels to me like eventually there might be a decision between the history of the teams. And keeping the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and whatever the hell they think the next iteration is for this league, whether it's with the XFL or with four down football. Well, this conversation was really framed around scoring. In fact, that scoring is down and the CFL is supposed to be the fun offensive scoring league. And so if it is to to solve that you're looking at a remedy because of a symptom and not a solution. Four downs, I mean, yeah, I suppose offenses will be on the field more, so thus there might be more scoring. But it's not going to make the game appreciably more exciting. The fact is, and Dunk, you've talked about this, the NFL game has become more like the CFL game and thus more exciting. And players who used to play in the CFL are now playing in the NFL and are stars. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, 
all of those guys decades ago used to be CFL players. They're not anymore. So how do you change your business to counteract that? So the league said there are no sacred cows, which just means we're going to talk about everything. Quite frankly, they have the they don't have the luxury to not talk about everything. I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to actually fix the problem. And that is the fact that the quarterback play is not what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when you had a bunch of Hall of Famers leave the game and we haven't really seen those guys be replaced in a big way. And so... No, they're not going to go to four downs. They shouldn't. It, it's not going to solve anything. And, and it's and scoring is not the only issue that the league has. Yeah, I we just put that on the record. He's saying no. I just, I just, you know, here's what I think. I think all, th- all four of us appreciate that the rules in the CFL are probably better. Do you think the rules are better in the CFL than the NFL? And it should you love be for football? scoring. Yeah, just Definitely. period. Yeah, the rules are better. Rash, mm-hmm. Donovan, do you think the rules in the CFL Other are than better? No yards. Yes, the rules are better, but but also, I know a lot of people who are 18 to 25, not one of them has said, man, if you gave me an extra down, I would be at BMO tomorrow. Like, (laughs) what are we talking about? No, but I think what's happening is people who don't know the game and appreciate the game are saying, this looks nothing like the game that I watch on Sunday, give me that, and people are falling for it, which I think is ignorance. Yeah, I don't think... I think what's going to happen is you're actually going to irritate your hardcore fan and push them away more than it's going to attract anybody new. The people in Regina or the people in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, your diehard CFL fan, you are going to alienate them and push them away from your product if you do this. I have an answer to that. Let's hear it. After the break. Oh, thankfully, Whoa. they are the dinks to his dunk this time around. Coming up, uh, your reaction, a little more football talk. And what in the good name of Harry Van Hofwigen is the sports world going to do about COVID 2 electric boogaloo? It's a virtual roundtable on Tim and Friends. Medani Dunk McAuliffe in the studio and Donovan Bennett in the friendly confines. Um, Two quick answers. One, the answer to your idea about pushing away the hard cores by going to four-down football, I agree with you, but I don't think they're there for three and or four-down football. I think they're there for the decal on the helmet. I think they're there for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And if you don't give them the choice, if there is no choice, if it's go away or four-down football, they'll take the decal on the helmet. Yeah, I just think you're going to really push them away. Like, everybody keeps talking about the Prairie teams. Let's remember, Saskatchewan did 24,000 for the West semifinal in their house. Attendance is already down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, that's I wouldn't piss off your, your loyal fan base I think that's by saying it's this or nothing. Yeah, I just don't know if that's the truth. They'll Does come anyone know if it's the truth? Do you think they're financially in deep caca? Who? The CFL. As a league. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You? Yep. Donovan? So if there's, mm-hmm. if, yeah. if there's an influx of money somewhere to be had, But what, what are we talking about? Like, the influx of money is where and what? The NFL. Feeder yeah. League. They've talked about it. Okay. Just saying, it's an idea. Yeah. A couple million like dollars? NFL could afford it. What would that mean to the CFL? I think you're right with the deco, though. The only pro team in Saskatchewan is the Rough Riders. They're not going anywhere. Same for Hamilton, but the Ticats. 
Like you're I get what them you're off. saying, but they got to get into this next generation. Are they really? They might get upset. But one generation back. ago, Saskatchewan. Good answer, Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> one whole generation ago, one. Yeah. The Saskatchewan Roughriders were holding telethons to keep their team alive. Yeah. Winnipeg Blue Bomber staff were bringing their own toilet paper to the office we're because not the team. We're not talking about the past anymore, though. We're talking about the future. Oh, no, but this okay. Keeps, okay, Randy. This keeps, this keeps coming over and over. And over. <laughs> Go ahead, Donovan. I can see you want to jump in. I think the point, Dunk, that you're making, I think is exactly the point that Medani's making. You guys are saying the same thing, but saying it differently. The fact that, you know, Saskatchewan, people love the deck on the helmet. Great. We've got you regardless. This is about three markets, really three cities. Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, BC. That's what it's about. So what it does to the people in the prairies, no disrespect, it doesn't matter because you, you're almost taking Ouch. you're taking for granted the fact that you're going to have them regardless. And if, if fixing the business is about fixing it where brands live, where marketers live, where broadcasters like us live. And so it's about those markets and getting those markets right. Now, we have two new owners in two of those markets. And, you know, obviously in Toronto, they're owned by, uh, you know, a media company. So we'll see what happens. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's about those three cities. It's not about the entire all right, I feel like I have to address the story of the day uh, and move on from the CFL. And the story of the day is everyone has COVID. Uh, you look around the league, you look around the NFL, the NBA, the NHL. Arash, can, Jesse asked me earlier, like, where are we headed? And I was like, how the bleep do I know? Like, wh- what are we doing here? And could we get into a spot where we're pausing leagues again? So I've thought about this. I don't see what would get accomplished by pausing the leagues because it's not like the players are going to go into isolation. Like, the guys are going to go just do whatever it is they do in their off time. So it's not going to uh, slow down the spread if you're not at the rink every day, If if you're not on the charter plane wearing a mask every day. I think in the, the very short term, the, the very, very micro, I can see city of Toronto limiting the number of people who can go into the buildings. I don't think any American U.S. team in any league playing right now is hitting pause on anything. Donovan? Yeah, with the CFL office, they're glad they got their great cup game in because the timing was was super clutch. I'm with Arash because, to your point, I, I don't know what changes. I think the, you, you go the other way, and we might see teams and or leagues say, all right, we need to bubble this up, whether it's teams staying in a hotel is not going anywhere uh, or leagues finishing their seasons in some form of a bubble. Because, like, everyone is attributing this to Omicron. Omicron hasn't really hit yet and it is you know obviously four to five times more transferable but of the 37 record positives in the nfl yesterday only one was traced back to omicron so theoretically this is going to get worse if it's going to get better so i i don't see them shutting down because the the checks are going to continue to be cashed but to get through the year with some sort of competitive balance where you're not losing entire lines in hockey or entire offensive lines in football you might have to take some serious measures, which the payers are going to push back on. But if the players want to stay healthy and get paid, they might not have a choice. Right. And not, not even courtside uh, seats in the NBA. Like, it's just, it's, 
amazing to me to see 10 bulls on a COVID list and people sitting courtside, no mask, nothing. Dunk, weigh in on this. To me, it's what DJ said. I think in the United States, they've declared COVID over before. So as long as those checks keep running in for the players, that they're going to keep playing. I just think that we're not going to see it go away as long as the money's there, whatever league it is, and most of these leagues are based there. Yeah, like we're, we're looking at this through a pissed, Canadian though. lens. Yes, which is completely different. Which mm-hmm. is not what is happening in pro sports. No. From September, Although October, in Germany, Germany they've like we're North back. Americans pro yeah, sports. Yeah. Germany, I, I think we need to learn from other places. And like I saw Bayern Munich, and they had no fans in the stands. And you're just thinking, is that coming here? And then I see Dickie Vitale, who I mentioned earlier, is in chemotherapy. And he's at a game, courtside, no mask to be found everywhere. He's obviously got good doctors. Like, to me, it's just, it's just, it's almost like perspective. And you're right. It's the United States versus Canada. And people are panicking here and down there. It's like, meh. I spent four days in Michigan doing a Jays Blue Jays series in our hotel. I saw one person in four days wearing a mask. I ended up talking to that person. They're from Quebec. <laughs> I was laughed at in Atlanta doing the NLCS, wearing a mask in an elevator. It is over, perception-wise, to the people, to many of the people in the United States. I do think like our healthcare systems are a fundamental difference between the two, and I feel like I have to mention that right now but donovan if you want to weigh in in any way just it's a business down there like the healthcare system yeah. is a business down there fact but so are sports and yeah. it, it's funny like in the united states i don't think people took it real until the nba shut down or rudy gobert tested positive and tom hanks tested positive that's when it started in the united states where it started earlier in many other places in the world and i just wonder if it's going to take a super bowl without Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady because they are close contacts and they can't play. And so you're getting a Chad Henney experience in the Super Bowl. I I just wonder if it's going to take something like that for the United States and and, and thus many people around the world to realize, oh, yeah, that's right. Like This thing isn't over. We're a couple booster shots away from being close to in the clear. And and the rest of the world also getting the vaccine. We'll just knock on wood again and say hopefully – Players remain asymptomatic, and hopefully the cases go down. But these are all hopefullys. Uh, hopefully, hope is not Rash a strategy, Danny. Tim. Sorry? Hope is not a strategy. <laughs> well, it has been for some. Donovan Bennett and Justin Dunk. Thanks, guys. Virtual roundtable has been dismissed, although they're still sitting here. Just what I say at the end of every roundtable. Didn't actually work this time. You guys are sitting here beside me. We're going to talk hockey next. There's uh, Leafs and Oilers game later tonight. I oh, hate when it don't make sense. Yeah. Did you know that? No. <laughs> okay. Raptors Nets? Yes. Okay. Our game, Arash. Our game. Tim and friends, now for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, now for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Chief Dog, back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends. We are here with you for another 30 minutes on Sportsnet, full hour on Sportsnet 360. If you're ever PVRing the show, make sure you do it on Sportsnet 360 to get the full Monty. I don't know if you want the full Monty, but you get the whole show. You know what I'm talking about. Coming up, we'll talk uh, some Raptors. Blake Murphy's going to drop by. Mark Spector also joins us from Edmonton, where the Oilers will host the Leafs tonight. But unfortunately... 
We have to begin this hour with COVID news as the virus is causing problems across the sports world. Uh, once again, let's start with the Calgary Flames. Noah Hannafin, Milan Lucic, Sean Monahan all entered the NHL's COVID-19 protocol, joining six other players and staff on Calgary's squad. Now, the league postponed their games through Thursday due to the outbreak. Brad Treliving gave an update today on if the team will return to action on Saturday. That's the plan right now. Like, as we all learned in the last couple of years, you, you, you know, you stay lim limber and nimble and prepared to pivot. So right now, all we are is we're, we're po postponed through Thursday. Um, you know, that was, that was the initial call, um, you know, Sunday or Monday when we made, when the, uh, the league sent out their release. And then I think obviously we monitor as things go forward here. We've had three more cases today. Um, We'll see how we'll see how the rest of the week unfolds, but nothing other than that at this point. All right, so the Canucks host the Blue Jackets in search of a fifth straight win under Bruce Boudreaux. However, the team was forced to cancel practice as a precaution this morning after two of their players tested positive. They're still awaiting more results, and if tonight's game is a go-ahead, uh, Canucks president Jim Rutherford was on the show yesterday spoke about this situation earlier today. Ultimately, it's our decision, but we work with the players and there has to be a comfort level here. And nobody was comfortable here at the building this morning, nor would we expect them to be. And so when, uh, when we found out that the players weren't comfortable and we just felt that it was better to play it safe this morning, the players are ready to play the game. They have no problem with playing the game tonight. But uh, there was not a comfort level to be around very long this morning. Understood, especially in Vancouver. Now, the Leafs and Oilers still scheduled for a 9 Eastern, 7 local start in Edmonton. Travis Dermott, Ilya Mikheyev returned to the lineup for the Leafs. Um, Oilers have lost five straight games. No Zach Hyman with an upper body injury. Duncan Keith is back after a three-week absence. Meanwhile, Connor McDavid was asked about NHLers going to the Olympics and a potential three to five week quarantine for anyone who a three to five week quarantine for anyone who tests positive in Beijing. It's obviously going to be a very fluid situation and uh, and we need to uh, to continue to gather all the information that uh, that there is. I think um, you know there's there, there hasn't been a ton of information come out and all of a sudden there's you know that three to five week thing that you know it's uh, it's kind of been floating around so just trying to gather all the uh, all the facts and and uh, and inf information and you know um, obviously it's unsettling um, if that were to be the case when you go over there so um, you know obviously I'm still a, a guy that uh, that's wanting to go play in, in the Olympics um, you know but we also want to make sure it's safe for for everybody and for all the athletes not just for uh, not just for hockey players. Well said, Connor. Uh, Wild GM Bill Guerin has been named GM of the U.S. men's Olympic hockey team. Chris Drury and John Van Biesburg also part of the Brain Trust, while Penn's head coach Mike Sullivan will be behind the bench if, if the NHLers go to Beijing, of course. All right, the Jets host the Sabres tonight as Neil Pionk will be back in the lineup. He was dealing with a concussion after, well, you know what, uh, 
His two-game suspension for his knee on Rasmus Sandin. He also missed a total altogether of three games with the concussion and the suspension. Uh, Blake Wheeler is out for a few weeks with a knee injury, but Paul Maurice said today he will not require surgery. So that at least is some good news. Uh, the Raptors coming off a comfortable win over the Kings last night. will face the Nets in Brooklyn tonight. See it on Sportsnet East Ontario and one. Kevin Durant questionable with an ankle injury. Well, the Nets also have five players in COVID protocol. Blake Murphy later to set it up. All right, let's get back to hockey and go to Edmonton, where the marquee seems clear for now. It is the Oilers. It is the Leafs. There is plenty of skill on the ice tonight. And uh, we got some skill on the line as Mark Spector joins me now from Edmonton. Spec, what's going on, man? Oh, yeah. Tim, what's happening out there? I'm good. I'm good. A lot happening, and it feels like a lot happening in and around every sports league right now. But I'm going to focus on the ice tonight. It, all right, how about this? Is there some buzz in the city because of all that skill on the ice? Is there a little bit of a downer because of all the COVID news that we're hearing across the country and in the Pacific Division? Or concern about a five-game losing streak for the hometown Oilers? Yeah, there's not a lot of buzz about the opponent, uh, with all due respect to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Folks here are worried about a hockey team that lost five in a row. And news out today that center Ryan McLeod was put on the COVID list here. And I can tell you that uh, later after your show, probably around 7 o'clock Eastern, I'm expecting another announcement out of Edmonton. Uh, there could be another COVID case here, perhaps in the coaching staff. So they're not done in Edmonton. Uh, the team itself is uh, not going real good. So I'm going to tell you, Timmy, I, hate, I know those folks in Toronto hate to hear this, but the Leafs are pulling up in third place in the area of uh, category of concerns here <laughs> in Edmonton right now. All right, so let's focus in on that, the five-game losing streak. Uh, it, it, they haven't scored a ton of goals in that five-game losing streak. And if you go back even further, and you and I talked about this, uh, I guess it was last week now, everything runs into each other in this pandemic age that we live in. But since the 9-1 start, 7-9 and nine for these Oilers – which team are we seeing? What do they need to do to bounce out? Well, first thing they got to do is try to get ahead in the hockey game, right? This team has, has in their five-game losing streak, has not held the lead for one second. So what's going on here? It's sort of the same thing every night. The other team scores first. Now you're chasing the game. Now because you've lost so many in a row, you tend to press a little, right? So you open up trying to chase the game. You're not patient because there's no patience in this town right now. And before you know it, it's 2 nothing, and then it's 3 nothing, And now things like this happen where you get a simple clearing pass that hits the boards and jumps out in front of the net for that poor goalie right there. So... You know, it's the good players aren't scoring. The not as good players aren't scoring. Uh, the the goalies are playing okay, but you need one to stand on his head and get a shutout. So it's like any slump, Tim. Uh, if you can find me two things that are going right in this town, I'd like to hear the second one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how about Mike Smith? It, it, could that be one of the things that goes right in the next little while? In the next little while, I watched him practice today. He appears to be ready. You know, this is your NHL. Uh, injury list situation. He went out in the third game of the season. He's been day-to-day ever since. That was over two months ago. So uh, he looks to me like he could play any day. Uh, you'll have to ask the orders when that really happens. But you know what? I'm going to say this. Miko Koskinen's a backup goalie, and no one thought he could carry the ball for this team. And despite the recent foibles that really haven't been on the goaltending, uh, for a team that hasn't had their number one goalie since the third game of the season, 
Edmonton can't blame their goaltending. It's been pretty good. Uh, speaking of injuries, no Zach Hyman against this former team? Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. I think everyone wanted to see that. Folks in Toronto would have liked to see it. And certainly in Edmonton, they're not in a position to lose good players. So he is out. Uh, Duncan Keith, however, uh, is on his way back. There's the hit there. Uh, pretty innocuous play, but Hyman left that game on Saturday night and never returned. Uh, Duncan Keith comes back, and that's a, probably a little bit of patience, a little bit of um, you know, his skill is to, he hits you on the tape with a good hard pass quickly. He speeds the game up. That's his reputation here in Edmonton. So they could use a calm, solid defenseman on the blue line. They should get one back tonight. So let's uh, let's further this uh, this COVID chat as much as I don't like to do it because I know that we're the distraction. But when we're talking about a game tonight, it's definitely a part of the equation. It feels like there might be more here in Ed. I mean, every time we report one, you just hold your breath and figure out what's next. Yeah, Edmonton had one earlier about two weeks ago with Cody Cece, and miraculously, it never turned into two. So thinking that could happen twice here. You know, there's been quite a carousel. Uh, Calgary clearly, uh, Calgary appears to be the epicenter of this thing. Boston went through Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Carolina went through Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. And all of those five teams now are suffering with a bunch of guys going on the COVID list. So Edmonton's sort of the last one to check in with Ryan McLeod today. Like I say, I think there's something else coming up this afternoon that, that uh, we'll confirm when we can. But, uh, you know, it's... It's funny, like it's, it, the way it's going through here in the West, you know, here's the, here's the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're in the middle of it right now. Their game is canceled in, or postponed in Calgary. Yeah. They're supposed to go to Vancouver where there's some active cases. They're sitting in Edmonton where there's some active cases. So the Maple Leafs, uh, they've got to be, you know, a little nervous right now, I would say. Uh, all right, let's talk about this matchup because last year in the, uh, like the actual matchup on the ice, Last year, it seemed like the Leafs had the Oilers number. Did you see that? And is there some sort of, of languishing thoughts from last year about why the Leafs had the Oilers numbers? You know what? I would say no one. I've asked a bunch of guys. Yeah. In this league, stuff that happened last year doesn't matter anymore this year. I'm here to tell you, good or bad. But let's say this. You know, what did they play? They played nine games last year, Tim, I think, against yeah. each other. Yeah, nine. Six of them, six of them were coin flips. But the three in Edmonton, Toronto came in here and pitched three games in Edmonton, 180 minutes of almost perfect hockey, won three straight, and left town. The Oilers were baffled with how to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, when that when that three-game set ended. So uh, Toronto knows you. I asked Sheldon Keefe about that this morning, and he said, look, we refer back to November this season because we feel like in November we were playing as well as we had played in Edmonton during that three-game set. And it was almost perfect hockey for the Leafs, I'm here to tell you. So so Sheldon Keith's not taking his team all the way back to last season, but he, he'll tell you if we can match the way we played against the Oilers in that series, and it was really good defensive hockey, not only will they beat the Edmonton Oilers team, they'll beat everybody else too. All right, uh, we were talking about goaltending early, and I think if you look at what's going on in Vancouver, uh, Thatcher Demko between the pipes is a big part of why they've been able to make a run under Bruce Boudreaux along with, you know, looks like Brock Besser's getting going a little bit under Boudreaux. But could the Canucks upset the apple cart here in the Pacific Division after what was a terrible start? Well, you know, let's go back to the Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving rule, Tim. 
<laughs> where if you're beyond four points out, you have about a 10% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. So that's that's where they were. They were much beyond four points, uh, and they're still in arrears. Look, a couple things. Thatcher Demko has, has um, turned into Vancouver's, he's emerged as Vancouver's best player, right? Yeah. We would argue before this season started, is it Queen Hughes, is it Elias Pettison? It's Thatcher Demko, and having a goalie as your best guy, it's not a bad setup, right? These the Vancouver Canucks are setting goal for a long, long time. Good for them. You build from the goal out. Uh, will this thing under Bruce Boudreau, this four-game winning streak? Like, I'm all for the Canucks making the playoffs, man. More Canadian teams, better. Yeah. But there's always a bounce when you get a new coach, right? There's always a bounce. The Canucks are having that bounce. Uh, does four straight turn into nine out of 10? And then does it turn into like seven out of 10 for the rest of the year? Because that's the kind of hockey they're going to have to play to make the playoffs. Uh, it's still a long road, but as at the start of the season, I liked Vancouver at the start of the season. Yeah, Tim. me too. Then they, start, then they started playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like their team. I like a bunch of their players. I don't mind a lot of the things Jim Benning did there when he was the GM. And Jimmy Rutherford is also sharp, so he'll get the job done. But I wouldn't put my money on make playoffs this year just because it's not a good bet. Yeah, it's a, it's a hole they got to dig out of. And, and Rutherford was on the show yesterday, and it's funny because I thought the same thing. Even last year, I mean, it was completely upset by what they went through with COVID. Not a great start. Weren't a great team. But I kept saying, ah, oh, there's pieces here. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. flashes of Demko doing real damage. Uh, he was in the bubble standing on his head. like. And I kept saying all these pieces were there. And when Rutherford came on the show – there was this quiet confidence that he had that there were pieces there. I've just never seen them do it for any sustained period. Well, I think the problem in Vancouver is is the former management was running out of time. Yeah. So they liked what they had too, but they're looking at you. We're all looking at what Vancouver has, and much like the team that I covered for a long, long time here in Edmonton, mm-hmm. more time is required. Right? The old management they didn't have any time left. I think that's been borne out. But Jimmy Rutherford comes in. He's got lots of time. He's a fresh hire. He's a smart guy. He's a good GM. And he's got a whole bunch of building blocks in Vancouver, in my opinion. I, I, I very much like you. I like what they've got. they got to get some work done around the edges. And their stars have to, you know, Elias Pettersson can't just show up and have the kind of season like he's having because he's not a superstar right now, right? right? Uh, they got to find someone who could play every day with Quinn Hughes. It's one thing having, you know, a small offensive defenseman there needs to be a Seabrook to that Duncan Keith, if I can borrow from the old Chicago tandem, right? They don't have that in Vancouver yet. So Brock Besser, good player, get more consistent. You got to score, you know, that guy can score 30 goals every year, not just some years. Uh, I was just going to stick in the Pacific Division with you, but we got about a minute left here, and I got to ask you one about our friends in Winnipeg. And if you look now, I mean, listen, they were a lot of people's sexy pick to be the best team in Canada, and they're on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Are you worried about Winnipeg at all with this injury to Wheeler added on top? Yeah, that's big. Wheeler's a big, big, big part of that team for sure. But uh, I'm a huge believer in the Jets. I'm not bailing out in the Jets. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that I – put it this way, I think they could win the Central Division. I can't frankly recall if I thought they'd be the best Canadian team. Maybe they would. But uh, I think they've got so many good players there. Neil Pionk has is, is been, in my mind, maybe better than Truba. Uh, they've got the best goalie in Canada, in my opinion. 
They've got, you know, Shifley is a Team Canada player. The Ehlers is lightning fast. Yeah. Kyle Connor, if he played in Toronto, uh, Canadians would be wearing Kyle Connor sweaters coast to coast. This, yeah. That's how good this guy is. He's just been in Winnipeg his whole career, and some people don't know him. So I think they got everything they need, and Paul Maurice is a fantastic coach. So I'm not worried about the Jets, my friend. I think mean, right. the Jets are going to be just fine. I like that answer. Uh, Speck, I always like when you join me. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> All right, Dean. There is uh, Mark Spector, not in the hot tub today. We'll see if we can get him back in that hot tub one of these days. All right, coming up, your feedback. Plus, we'll get you to Hockey Central, which is on Sportsnet. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360 with Blake Murphy. Got it good, and since you understood, here's a commercial. Stick around. For the month of December, we proudly support the Rogers Holiday Harmony Project, a way for holiday shoppers to connect with equity-deserving businesses across the country. Welcome back, Tim and friends, Tim McCall. For more information on the Holiday Harmony Project, scan the QR code seen on your screen. Dad, that's that little thing right over there. You just take a picture <laughs> of it with your phone, and then it pops up in your phone, and you hit the link, and you're good. So my dad and Ken Reed, that's, that's what you do. You and my grandmother, take, too. Your yeah, grandmother, yeah. Ken Reed, and my dad. Avid watcher. QR, yeah, QR code. You Has no do, clue. Take a picture of that thing, yeah. and you get all the information. <laughs> That's good. It's crazy. You need to tap on it. Got it good and since you understood. Uh, speaking of the interwebs, uh, I heard in, uh, in my ear during the commercial break that we have an update yes. based on a tweet that you just saw on that internet. Yes, Louis Jean of uh, TVA. Yeah, formerly of Sportsnet. Formerly of Sportsnet is reporting that the NHL and NHLPA will meet tonight to talk about the rise of COVID cases in the league and the potential enhanced protocols. So it looks like they've moved up that meeting to tonight. And uh, as you peer into the screen. I was looking to see what the first response was because you gotta be careful with those sometimes. Yeah, the, yeah, it's, yeah it's letters, it's not the, the <laughs> No, I knew yeah. I realized it was letters. Yeah. And it was uh, <laughs> some, someone who was confused about what was going on yeah. here, like a lot of people are, right? Yeah. Yeah, frustrated, but I gotta fatigued. be careful. It's scary when people do that. Yeah, I, I try. I try to zoom in as much as I possibly yeah. can to avoid it. Although sometimes first response very funny. Yeah, don't, don't think know, this that one was very funny? funny. No, but yeah, I couldn't read it. No, I don't have to. I, don't I read just saw it. WTF, <laughs> which I don't know. What I mean. <laughs> yeah. So this is obviously they were supposed to meet tomorrow. Yeah. they've moved it up a day in response to two games being postponed tonight. For those who don't know. Uh, we started with 14 on the schedule tonight. Flames has been postponed, and now the Canes has been postponed. So we're down to 12 games in the NHL tonight, though it's still a pretty nice slate of action, including uh, several Canadian teams on the ice, including the Oilers and Leafs in an all-Canadian matchup in Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be fun. I was just thinking, going back to your roundtable and Donovan saying, like, maybe these leagues are going to start moving into more bubble scenarios. And I'm just thinking, like, Back to the bubbles and the, hearing the players and coaches talk about how brutal being in the bubbles were. Nick Nurse talking a couple days ago, just I think it was that maybe even last night, just about the difference the crowd. in having fans yeah. in the stadium and the, the energy and and just that would be just so difficult for the athletes and and for the coaches and and you feel for them. But it's a reality of of the life that we're living in right now. Like yeah. I, that's what else can you do? It'll be interesting to see how the provincial governments react to uh, the spike in cases and then to counter that with what happens in the United States because of Rash Medani's, right? They're, the United States is not pausing anything. Like, no. They are full steam ahead as they um, have built their nation on being full steam ahead 
Always. All right, so in that roundtable, we are also talking about the CFL, and I'm curious to get your opinion on it because mm-hmm. what I had there were uh, three huge football fans, two of them who played Canadian football and another one who worked in the league for several years in Arash Madani. If you hadn't figured out Duncan Donovan were the so four of us all really give a bleep about football and we all really give a bleep about Canadian football and we were talking about this idea that the CFL may be put in a spot where they have to choose between four down football and the league so we sent out a, uh, a tweet with a poll on it yeah. at Tim and Friends uh, as debated on the show would four downs make the CFL more appealing? Yes or no? And it's basically split down the middle, closing in on 2,000 votes. Are you surprised by that? If you want to get some responses, I'll let, you let that marinate for a second. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm surprised. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, I thought maybe more would be yes, the CFL needs four downs. Really? Yeah. I thought there'd be more football fans who always show up in my timeline whenever I'm tweeting about the CFL to say who the bleep cares I watch the NFL. Yeah, but those same people were the ones that also watched um, your monologue on the CFL. Like there, there's, there are people on, on both sides, clearly, because this poll is split down the middle. Uh-huh. Uh, let's get to a couple of responses. Uh, Adamo uh, says, if they made it NFL rules, I might watch the CFL for more than the last five minutes of every Grey Cup. So I think you know which uh, side... Adamo stands on. Yep. Um, Chris says three downs is what makes it the CFL, which right. I think was the point that Arash was really trying to hammer home during that roundtable. Uh, Brad says, as long as the NFL pays guys better to be a third stringer, they'll never get talent like we had in the 90s and the 2000s, which I thought was really interesting, but it comes down to the, the finances of the CFL. If you can't afford to pay, to pay people, then they're going to look for work elsewhere. And it just so happens that the NFL... But that's always a ton been of the money. case. I mean, since the 70s, basically, when, you know, back in the day, you know, Angelo Mosca comes up north because he gets paid more money to play in the right. CFL than he did in the NFL. Like, he was a prospect for both leagues. But basically, since the 70s, it's been double the pay. I guess it's more, it's even more of a discrepancy between the leagues now. Like, yeah. even a practice roster player makes more than he would make. Right as a starter in the CFL. So I heard you guys talking during the roundtable just about the, the quarterback play not being what it once was, and now the CFL has had an issue of low-scoring games and defenses yeah. have dominated. Is there a way to maybe up the budget for the salaries for the skill position players, so like the quarterbacks and receivers and, the quarterbacks and running backs? Make they already make more, but even more to attract better talent, and then you have better skill position players. Well, because like once you get past the best league in the world, it's not as if they're... Com- they're not competing with a bunch of different leagues. Would you, let me ask you. Yeah. Like, we're all hardcore football and CFL fans. Would you watch it more if it was four downs? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, I don't think so. Because I think part of what makes the CFL is the fact that it's three downs and it's quirky. It's different. It's not quirky to many Canadians, but it is a different product. And that's what intrigues me about it. That's why I watch when I watch. Right. Like, it's... I, I, Either make it a feeder league or don't. But it's been a feeder, feeder league as a three-down league. Right? Like, a lot of guys have moved on. Yeah. But I, just, I think there's like this idea of what it could be. 
but no one really knows how to get it there. And then where do you stop? All right, uh, time now to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. David Amber, Sam Cosentino, Mike Fiuta. Three stand-up fellas standing by <laughs> for us. Uh, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Raptors Insider, Fan Morning host, Blake Murphy, will join me in studio ahead of the Raptors and the Nets on Sportsnet. Back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. MVP, in my opinion, the best one-on-one player in the game, perhaps ever. Durant, the hezzy, the lay-in goes down. That was filthy. It was absolutely filthy. Can he get 50? Yes, he can! 51! And Kevin Durant is one bad, bad man. Were you aware of how close you were to 50? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so the Kings and the Raptors will tip it off. Look at us getting right oh, man. Draw that one up, cut it on the clips, and put it in the film room. Halliburton drives, Scotty says no. And this kid is off the charts, isn't Man, he? he is doing it all. It's into the lane, lays it up and in. Oh, pretty move by Pascal. The bump, the bucket. Toronto takes down Sacramento. Outstanding effort in every aspect for the Toronto Raptors. Big Raptor game. Also, Kevin Durant went off on Sunday. Talking about a big game. Raptors had a complete performance last night as they beat the Knicks. Durant, 51 points against the Pistons, but questionable tonight with ankle soreness. He might have to play because the Nets had five in COVID protocols, including James Harden, who is now six, who is just put into protocol. Uh, see the game if it happens on Sportsnet. East Ontario 1, starting with the pregame at 7 p.m. Eastern. Blake Murphy is in studio. Did you record something for that pregame that <laughs> might, might no longer work? Yeah, our... we'll see if they have. So I recorded two. So they get me, right. because they played last night, they had me record two just in case. Right. And one was about, oh, the Raptors are good at limiting superstars, but what about when you have two in Kevin Durant and James Harden? Uh, it did not cover the possibility <laughs> that you have zero. So, so is this like now... Oh, we're in this spot, and listen, this was breaking Woj bomb two minutes ago. Yeah, the Nets put out a, a tweet and a status update, like, right as I was walking in the room. So, like, 6.29 Eastern, four minutes ago, three minutes ago. But we'll have to see, one, if they play this game, or if they just have to dress Kevin Durant with ankle soreness and not play him as the eighth man. Right, because you have to have eight to play. Um, so that's kind of the rule there. And if, if Durant can't go, you're looking at... I don't know, Nick Claxton uh, getting that trade value up. Like, there's, there's not a lot here. Um, they're missing James Johnson, DeAndre Bembry, Paul Millsap, they're, uh, Bruce Brown. They're missing pretty much everyone that you would hope could step in with one of Durant or Harden out. Joe Harris is out, too. So, uh, I don't really know what to expect for this one. We asked Nick Nurse about a pregame about, hey, you've been in these situations before where your team is like this, but how do you prepare for the opponent not knowing who they're going to trot out there and what that's going to look like. And he basically said, you you got to be ready for all of it. Damn it. Is the game canceled? Is that what you're looking at? No, I went to my betting app and it's off the board. Ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jesse wants to jump I, I in just, here. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a doctor or a scientist in any way, but if the Nets seemingly are dropping like flies here and then they go and play a game where – they're breathing on each other. They're playing with one ball. There's sweat everywhere. Like, doesn't that suggest that it might spread? 
during the game. Are you suggesting that two players who one hour before the game had to be removed from the lineup Correct. due to protocols may have had contact with their teammates Correct. who will now have contact with the Raptors? That's exactly that's what a, I, mean. I I don't know. That's that's some bold thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, but like we, we went doing? we went through this what last you, some year sort too. Of doctor over there. Uh, yeah. Hey, smart guy. We, just, we went through this last year <laughs> yes. too, and it was you know trying to figure out the Raptors had five or six players in COVID protocols and half their coaching staff out and trying to figure out whether they were going to play night to night heading into the All-Star break was just anyone's guess. So right. um, the league has more or less set the precedent so far since they returned that if you have enough bodies to go, the game will be played. It's only when you get in a situation like the Bulls where you're down to six or seven guys that they'll they'll postpone. Right, and it looks as though you don't need Adrian Wojnarowski because we just suggested it, but Kevin Durant is playing tonight for Brooklyn, which gives them magically eight players versus Toronto. We'll see how much he actually plays. Read your game. mind. Yeah, we'll see how uh, some of those G-leaguers do. They got uh, David Duke Jr., Kessler Edwards, you know. Oh, this if is you, right up if you were draft, <laughs> If you were yeah. a big draft head, the Kessler Edwards <laughs> against Malachi Flynn and Utah Watanabe game, <laughs> yes. this, is, this is perfect. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Utah Watanabe. And, like, the Raptors' performance last night to me was, and, and maybe it was just De'Aaron Fox's postgame, sitting in the back of my mind, but Jesse and I had talked about this. Like, I firmly believe with execution, hard work, smart coaching, smart players, you win 30 games in the NBA. And, and that's a starting point. And the Raptors last night, I thought, like, that was the personification of having good coaching and putting players in the position to succeed. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you see kind of how that builds, right, and the confidence in that group. And I think a big part of that is that when that second unit is at its best, it's playing to an identity, right? It's forcing a lot of turnovers. It's Delano Banton leading the break in transition. It's, um, you know, Chris Boucher's been starting of late, but normally he's a part of that group. And it's him rim running or filling lanes and getting stuff around the rim. It's Utah attacking a closeout aggressively. Um, So I think that that second unit needs to play with that identity to really feel confident and energetic. And this this is kind of like ethereal and tangible stuff mm-hmm. but look at the games that that bench has looked its best and they've been few and far between but it's generally the games where they're really getting out and running and everyone's touching the ball early so i don't think it's a coincidence that last night they had a season high in bench points by a long shot on the same night they had a season high in assists as a team mm-hmm. and a season high in points in the paint against a team that's pretty good in the paint yeah, although no Rashawn Holmes last night, right. so that's uh, that's my guy. I got to. Uh, Is that your guy? Oh, I, it was. I, I started the whole. Every year, I seem to get one guy that I really want the Raptors to get in free agency, right. and then like Raptors Twitter gets in on it, and then it's like a huge disappointment. It's like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. Everyone's upset that Harry Giles didn't sign. Like, what's going right. on? But Rashawn Holmes is legitimately very good, and and once he's been on once he's been on this new deal long enough, I promise he's going to be at the top of my. Hey, who should the Raptors straight for? Uh, columns. Well, as, as, as an older dude in the business now, one of the things I'm most proud of, and I don't know if I've said this to you, but I, I, like the, the, the amount of people who cover the Toronto Raptors at this time, to me, being there kind of from jump is something that makes me smile inside. And maybe I'm skewed by guys like you and or the Raptors show where Alex Wong and Will Liu kind of have turned me on Utah. And at the start of the year, in preseason, there were these flashes, right? Is there something there that might flourish here? Because 
it was kind of bad timing on his injury to start the year. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot to like about Utah. He's a guy that I liked back when he played two seasons on a two-way deal with Memphis and was down with their G League team. He was maybe the best uh, multi-position defender in the entire G League over those two seasons. And it was really, you know, it's the story for every single player in the G League. Can you develop a three-point shot? And that's, you know, that was the question for Utah because there's a bare minimum to get into a rotation in the NBA, right? And it's not, it's beyond just defense unless you're Andre Roberson or something like okay. that. Um, so Utah got there with the three-point shot where the Raptors were comfortable with it. And now I think you see, hey, the confidence is growing. You know, he takes eight shots in a game last night, which is pretty out of character for him. And I think, too, not just the, the growth with the Raptors. I think the experience of playing for Japan in the yeah. offseason where it was really him and Rui We're the car- man. Yeah. carrying, kind of co-man, carrying that offense, I think that was huge for him to see that, hey, it's great that you can be a selfless player and you want to stay within your role, but there are times where you are talented enough and the game situation is going to call for you to go outside of that role card. And the more comfortable he gets with that, that's how he moves up from, hey, he looks like the 10th man to, hey, he looks like the 8th man, and then, hey, maybe he's a guy you want to lock up for a few years this summer. Uh, I don't want to pass over what Scotty Barnes did yesterday or what Scotty Barnes has done for the last little while. And I I think there's one caveat that not enough Raptor fans have taken into consideration, but playing your one season of NCAA basketball during the pandemic makes it really, like it's hard enough to make the transition from one and done in the NCAA. A sixth man on your NCAA program in a pandemic year, like there are going to be highs and lows with Scotty, but I think he's found a little groove here. And I think what he's showing us is even more than it would be in, in a normal year. Yeah, I, I, and you have to hope that's the case, right? And I agree with you. He's already played more minutes than he played at Florida State. They really weren't traveling a full... Think about e- that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, really weren't traveling a full even NCAA travel schedule last year. So this is all a lot. And then the other thing, too, is not just fatigue. It's, hey, NBA teams have 10, 15, 20 games of tape on you. And you saw, I think the best example of that was the first Golden State meeting where Draymond Green gave him the rookie treatment the whole game. Scotty got nothing when Draymond Green was on the floor with him. And I think those are the kind of challenges that we'll be able to use to track his progress um, on the offensive side. And then for me, the, the sign that he's you know maybe past that mini rookie wall, if he hit one, is that the defense has really gone back to that level we saw in the first few games of the season. I was a little underwhelmed you know, with everyone on this team over the course of November, really. Uh, but Scotty took a dip on that end. And I think you're starting to see him and Pascal together, especially, um, really finding that, that defensive edge. And, and Scotty Barnes is such a talented transition player, um, both on the run looking for his own basket, but really creating for others as well. Yeah. That, you know, it's he's one of those guys that it's really easy to see where defense can lead to offense and everything kind of just snowballs when things are clicking for him. Do you have any idea what in the good name of Vincenzo Esposito is wrong with Kem Birch and or OG Ananobi? No. Okay. No, nobody Let's seems to know. Yep. It's a top, top secret. Uh, they're still not practicing or, or they're back to not practicing rather. Um, even today, Nick Nurse got asked about Precious Achua, um, who's, you know, based on the, the protocols and the timelines, is expected out of uh, isolation soon. But even then, he's got a mystery shoulder thing as well. They're, uh, they're notoriously tight-lipped with this stuff anyway, but especially so with, uh, with the OG and Kem situations. Okay, one more about the Nets uh, before I think Jesse has an update. And I, Ian Bagley earlier today on Twitter works for SNY suggesting, listen, I've been hearing some Kyrie murmurs, 
some rumors. Uh, Shams were writing about Kyrie. There, there's a lot percolating around Kyrie. Some of it that he's going to go back. Some of it that he's going to go back and wants to be traded. Where do you see this breaking down for the Nets and maybe uh, the most interesting man in the NBA? Yeah, we had uh, we had Brian Windhorst on the Fan Morning Show this morning, and he said basically, if you're trying to figure out Kyrie off the court. Good luck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think obviously he's teasing it. There's been reporting that he's been in contact with Kevin Durant and James Harden. And, and obviously that's a, a team dynamic kind of thing. The Nets, I remember being on a roundtable with you at the start of the season when we knew Kyrie wouldn't be playing. We were all mostly like the Nets are going to be fine as a regular season team. But it's, you know, when they start getting thinned out that you really see the Kyrie absence and, and feel that. So um, maybe there's some urgency as we get later in the season here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the big swing piece is what's what the New York state government is going to do or the city government. Um, you know, the Nets have been pretty clear they don't want to do the just road games thing, but you might have to if you're going to trade them. And then if you're going to trade them, like, I don't know, the Knicks are always the team that it's like, hey, maybe they'll trade for the, the really high-paid guy who, who's having issues, but they're going to run into the same kind of quarantine and, and protocol issues that the Nets have. So I don't know what the market would be like for him other than dumping him on a bad team for spare parts. And I just don't think you do that to Kyrie, especially when he was part of the Durant-Harden package. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about plant-based vaccines to walk down that road with you. So, Jesse, give us an update. Uh, did you have something there? Nets could use Kyrie tonight. Yeah, they could part use. Part of the update. Um, just who's available for the Nets tonight. Okay, here we go. Oh, my God, James. So, Blake, a little quick little rundown on each of them. Um, yeah. Nick Claxton, we know who that is. <laughs> David Duke Jr., yeah, interesting guy. Uh, I like that he pulled the, when asked about his name, he pulled the um, the office space. Uh, why should I change my name? He's the one who sucks. Uh, Kessler Edwards was a guy who was like pretty popular as like a second round flyer among draft Twitter. Uh, you, you know Blake Griffin and KD and Patty Mills. Um, Dayron Sharp is a guy we haven't seen a lot of yet. So Claxton's the interesting one for me because there have been some rumblings that he's a potential trade chip for them mm. if they're going to try to acquire a veteran with some of the trade exceptions that they have mm-hmm. um, he'd be the guy of interest heading into restricted free agency and he's a really interesting big man prospect a guy who can pass a little bit uh, protect the rim a little bit so I think this is uh, potentially a big breakout game for him and I know I know you had your app up earlier the opposing big man against the Raptors over rebounds has been a, a pretty safe move so I, I'd take a look at where Claxton's is man what they're doing right now with like no height a bunch of injuries, like tip of the cap. They're like. back up the league average on defense. <laughs> yes. Look at yeah, them go. And, pl- and playing defense, Nick Nurse, uh, does, uh, tip of the cap, and a tip of the cap to the T-shirt. A little Sue Bird yeah. slam. That's yeah. The- Right. Yeah, you got to, you know, Alex Wong has cover, cover story, story, right? We got to plug it wherever we can. So, <laughs> got to, uh, any, any opportunity to talk about, about cover story. Wherever you find your good books, cover story by Alex Wong is there. Uh, Blake, thank you for doing this. Uh, I don't know anyone else who could have rolled through that roster. That was uh, amazing. In Canada, love it. Blake Murphy, time for one last break. Last call. Jesse Rubinoff next. Thanks, Blake. Glad we got the mic. Last call, Jesse Rubinoff. Before we get there, Jesse, can I ask you a question? Yeah, How the hell away. are the Nets playing with eight players, including Kevin Durant, who is questionable for this game tonight? Like, it feels like this show has gone full circle, where like we started with the COVID-ish. And then we had the round table and they're like, the United States isn't stopping for anything. They were going to power through this no matter what happens. And now the New Jersey Nets are going to play a game tonight against the Toronto Raptors. We're going to have to come back across the border 
and they're going to do it with eight players, kind of, sort of, really set. Yeah, it's not a good look for the NBA. I think what I'm seeing on Twitter right now is that everybody thinks the game should be canceled. But last year was not a good look for the NBA. The Toronto Raptors shouldn't have been playing half of the games that they played last year, and yet they made them play those games last year. So if I'm Masai Ujiri, who said as much last year, who, by the way, is in a spot himself, Mm -hmm. I'm pissed if they say that they're not going to play this game because we had to do it last year, if indeed you're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Blake said it. If they have eight guys, that's the precedent that the NBA has set. So it seems as though the game is going to go on. They, di- they didn't have eight guys until Kevin Durant. Literally three minutes ago. Was saying that he was going to play, yeah. or at least they said he was going to play. Yeah, we'll see if he just sits on the bench all night long. Uh, okay, earlier in the show, we played you the post-game comments by the Kings, Darren Fox, after last night's loss to the Raptors. And there was a, a running theme. So let's have another listen. It's about, you know, just being sharp. Everything that you do, but everything you do is quick, sharp, to the point. They know exactly what they need to do. When we're out there, it's just about being sharp. Now, you know, if it's a loose ball, 50-50 ball, like that, then, then, yeah, you know, it's about playing hard. But when you're out there and, you know, coverages, you know, your coverage ain't about playing hard. Your coverage is about being sharp. It's not about doing the play hard. It's about doing it sharp. So, you know, if, if the timing is off, that's not about playing hard. That's about being sharp. If, if we coverage where you're not supposed to switch and you switch or vice versa or whatever it may be it's not about playing hard it's about being sharp surprised that was the counter what could have been also the bleeps oh yeah <laughs> uh it is it about being sharp uh for sterling and shannon yes oh very nice yes. did not that sound like a guy who um respects the Raptors process and maybe even I don't know when he becomes a free agent like maybe you know he wants why? to come play under Nick Nurse Jonesy and Leo Routens during the game broadcast were talking about how you don't just draft guys and hope they turn out well as we've seen in Toronto you draft them you develop them they haven't done that with De'Aaron you see the loads of talent the guy has mm-hmm. and now you know why the Sacramento Kings have sucked for a long time yeah <clears throat> Changes, it changes sort of like when I was Your younger. Your voice cracked there or was it just, just a cough? It cracked. Oh, yeah? It, it cracked. Oh, nice. Yeah. Welcome to Puberty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, when I was You're young. You're welcome, sir. Would <laughs> you like fries with that? <laughs> Sorry. I'm moving on. I'm not even, <laughs> not, I'm not even gonna no, say my right. point. No, fine. it's fine. Let's just no. continue on with basketball. <laughs> so what about Steph Curry? Yeah, Steph Curry on the verge of history as the Warriors <laughs> visit. I know that's gonna end up now on the Friday. I uh, <laughs> know. Don't, don't, uh, no. uh, don't Curry, do that. Curry's one three-pointer back of Ray Allen's all-time record. However, in a recent interview on the Dan Patrick Show, Allen said he doesn't think. Breaking the record automatically makes Curry the greatest three-point shooter of all time. Check it out. We wanted to have Ray on so I could still call him the greatest three-point shooter of all time, and then that'll probably change in a couple of days here. But uh, Ray Allen, kind enough to join us. Huh? It doesn't have to change. It doesn't? Still call me that. I can still call you the greatest three-point shooter of all time? Yeah. Are you the greatest three-point shooter of all time? Well, that's uh, certainly subjective, uh, depending on who uh, who you're talking to. <laughs> Do you agree with Ray Allen? Uh, I feel bad because obviously he wants to be in a league where he could shoot 10 threes without blinking the way Steph mm. Curry yeah. 
is able to shoot 10 threes without blinking. However, Steph changed the game in order to allow himself to shoot 10 threes a game. I mean, just look at the amount of games it took to get to this point, okay? They're one apart in three-pointers. It took Ray Allen 1,300 games. Steph's at 788, all right? I'm no mathematician, okay? <laughs> I can hardly even say it. I just, listen, I get what you're trying to say, Ray. Jesus Shuttlesworth, love you. It's no question. Yeah. Respect the confidence, though. Right. Ray Allen. Gotta respect that. Okay, former NBA player. He's a player. great shooter. Yeah. Just great great style. Better. Great shooting stroke. Oh, wonderful. Look. Probably the second best of all time. Probably. It's not first. Although Reggie's somewhere going, yes. whatever. I didn't even get as many shots as you got. Yeah. Uh, watching Ray Allen shoot 10 threes a night would have been fun. Uh, former NBA player J.R. Smith went back to university this year at North Carolina A&T. Yes. And today, he tweeted that he got his grades for the semester and he had a 4.0 GPA. Hey, J.R. Smith. Who do you think is most surprised by this news and is it LeBron? Yeah, you're setting me up just <laughs> sorry, to say I'm sorry. LeBron James. I'm and sorry, then yeah. you answer I know, I LeBron know. James it's because so J.R. Smith famously forgot the score. Obvious. And LeBron James, who didn't go to university, by the way, was just <laughs> aghast at what was going on here. But who thought that the feel-good story of the year would be J.R. Smith going back to university to play golf and get killer grades. It's like if you had that going into this to the, the fall season, uh, you would have got paid a pretty penny on that because it has been a wonderful story. Like it seems like he's fitting in, that he's offering guidance to the younger players on his team and the younger people in and around campus and getting good grades. Future so bright he's got to wear shades. Um, what I would give to have straight A's and be good enough to be on the golf team. There you go. Living the life. And he already played in the NBA. And he already played in the NBA. Uh, okay. Despite all of their COVID issues, the LA Rams got a big win over the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Arizona entered the game with the best record in the NFL at 10 and 2, but they're now tied with the Bucks and the Packers. Who's the best team? In the conference. How the hell do I know this? <laughs> right. How would, how the hell do we know anything in the NFL? We, we don't. It's got to be the Bucs, right? Like, it has to be the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, and Tom the Packers. Who's minor. Listen, the Packers' defense is going to put them in a position to play. I would love to see. And listen, I got a lot. Of, you know I'm a big fan of Kyler Murray. I'm a big fan of Dak Prescott, mm -hmm. though I thought he struggled against Washington. If you see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in an NFC Championship game, like you are going to have so much hype going into that game. The Packers are right there with the Buccaneers, but there's something about the losses that they have on their schedule this year that worries me that the Green Bay Packers at one point this year are going to go into a game poop their pants. And Rodgers has that uh, broken toe. It doesn't look like it's been affecting him, but Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, the defense is better. Sign me up for that NFC Championship game. Yeah, that's a All day NFC long. Would love that. But let's just hope we don't have, I mean, listen, our fantasy teams can't even do it. That's how we're closing the show, on. yeah. Started and ended because it's a reality. Stuff. Yeah. It does it for us. Raptors and Nets, we think, coming up on Sportsnet <laughs> East Ontario. Worth watching regardless. What are they going to do? Eric Smith, Amy Otterberg got the call. Leafs and Oilers regionally on Sportsnet West. Jackets and Canucks. Enjoy it all, kids. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.